Welcome to Working with Parents in Sport. In this series, we look at how we as coaches can work more effectively with parents and with their players to make a much better outcome for all the stakeholders. We welcome along Gordon McKellen to tell us more. Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Having an effective communication policy with the parents. So, Gordon, what's important about having an effective communication policy with your parents? Well, as a coach, I think it allows us to share pieces of information that align with our our team, our club values, and I think this ultimately enhances the the user experience for parents. It allows them uh, to value uh, the right things. Um, much of uh, many of the issues around parental engagement are often caused when parents don't have information, uh, often stand on the sides of pitches perhaps or even at training sessions and often make their own assumptions and then of course it becomes a bit like Chinese whispers where these conversations continue to happen and information that we, we maybe don't want them to be um, discussing or coming up with are, are very different to what if we'd done our job in the first place, uh, could have had a bigger difference. Could have made a big difference. So there's two questions I'm going to ask from what you've just said. First of all, what is meant by user experience? Well, I think parents need to feel part of the process. I know we talked before we started the recording that over the years, parents were often, you know, kept to one side, and coaches want to get on you know, with their own coaching and parents often park. But I think it's bec- we're becoming more and more aware that, that parents have such an influential role, actually the most influential role on their children, um, that, that we need to really engage them in the process as coaches to, you know, for, for them to enjoy the experience more and ultimately to give their child the best possible sporting experience. And uh, what do you mean by communication? Well, I think there's a number of things we need to think about, and I, I think we need to think about the the type of information that we're looking to give our parents. I think we need to think about how consistently um, we're delivering those messages, um, the free, you know, the free, the, the frequency, um, and the methods. You know what? You know, there's so many different methods that we can use now to communicate with parents. But actually, you know, there's a time where the good old face-to-face conversation, which was the only conversation that we could have had maybe 20 years ago, is, is still the, the, the way to go. It must be very frustrating for coaches when they think they've given a message and the parents don't seem to respond to it. My sense is that we need to reach them on lots of different channels. What's your experience of the most effective ways to reach um, a parent? Yeah, I think that's what you've you've raised a, a really good point there, and, and it's a real coach frustration that that parents often don't even acknowledge or say thank you for a message, and then coaches are left unsure um, whether or not they've ever got the message, um, which makes life tricky. Maybe that's something that does need to be chatted about at a you know at a parents meeting at the beginning of a season, for example. Maybe it is something that needs to be incorporated. That even a thumbs up or an acknowledgement of that message actually makes quite a big difference to a coach who 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 is trying to be proactive in in getting messages out to to parents in the first place. I mean, look, the you, you know the, there's obviously lots of WhatsApp groups out there. There's obviously Facebook. There's Twitter. There's email. I, I think that. 
whatever works for you and your environment and your group i think again another another parents meeting to, you know topic isn't it you know what is going to work best is interesting this week just a little bit of breaking news out of ireland is um there are some issues around whatsapp groups and the gaa are, uh, are slightly concerned about them uh, around the gdpr data protection so maybe it is time to to, to have a look at some of those communication methods and, and obviously some of the, the free apps that are out there like Spond, for example, where you can see if parents have read your messages uh, uh, are proving you know, pretty popular. Now, lots of teams will have the introductory letter at the start of the season. What sort of things would be going into either a letter or um, a policy which is going to make the biggest difference to the parents? Oh, it's a it's a tough tough ask that I think as a as a question in so much that I think it looks like often documents aren't that well received by parents. It's a, it's a bit like the the old sort of first aid policy that used to come out and then and then it ends up in the glove box and yeah. comes out at the the same time the following year. I think I think in this day and age, I think that that sort of consistent messaging a, around values and what we're doing and our logistics, you know, on a on a weekly basis and being more engaged rather than well, let's just do this once, give them everything that they need, and then we'll see them again at, at, at this time next year. And it, I think it, that's also an issue with parents' meetings that parental engagement isn't just having one meeting at the start of the season and saying see you in May um, is that using that meeting to, to generate some some cultures some ideas some things where parents have maybe got a, a, a voice in the process and then actually how we behave as coaches and how we um, message parents from that are really important because if we've said we're going to do those things it's so important that we're then consistent you know over over the coming months because it's those inconsistencies that actually cause the angst for parents. So we've got to be really clear on, on, a, on a, a set plan. So how often would you be think would be effective for speaking to the parents? Now, obviously, you're going to see them on the sidelines at matches and training. But in the more formal communications, uh, obviously, they're going to have notifications on when matches are and selections and training. But in terms of, say, taking across the, the wider issues and talking about more in-depth plans for the team how often should you be speaking to the parents well i think you should look to try and check in as you know as much as much as you possibly can now that doesn't mean everything has to be done um, verbally uh, but you know even even once a month as an email would be a, a major step forward in 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 lots of environments at the moment although you know when we talk to 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 coaches and parents um, and i think just when you know we have these groups you know sharing articles pieces of information that maybe back up some of the cultures and values that we're trying to create to enhance that because people do like reading relevant material and i think it's nice if we are able to share some of that with parents just to you know enhance their knowledge because i you notice that i didn't use the word educate i mean only because we we know from our work that you know adults don't like to be educated that that's not the approach to go we're trying to support people and engage them and, and obviously part of that is a is a bit of education but I, I think sharing of of content is a is a really good way to to spread knowledge or at least stimulate stimulate debate um i liked your first point actually in that because when we do the 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 coach workshops 
I often say, you know, 30 seconds on your way off as you're carrying the bags in just to say, I thought little Johnny did well that today. Great to see him, you know, show such resilience there. Did you see him work hard when he got up and made that tackle and got back and made another? Because I can guarantee you that A, the parent thinks, well, he knows my child. B, he's given me something positive and, and that helps me considering how much time I've given up to get them here. And C, it, you know, the parent goes home and talks about, did you hear when your coach said that and you know and if that links to your values we're, we're starting to praise all the right things and all the good things rather than what probably out there among sporting parents is I'm really only looking at the outcome. So again let's go back to the policy part of it so obviously the things that you've just been saying that is should be good coaching and that should be good practice on your part. Now one of the things I'm interested in what you've just said is uh, how much uh, parents want to be educated and I think the answer is probably not nearly as much as they should be and we've obviously got to be careful in not putting them off with this idea that we're trying to talk down to them we want them to be part of it so going back to the policy idea when you're putting together the policy how much should the parents actually be involved in the what the policy looks like yeah, I think I think parent, I think we should try and give parents a voice just just as much as it, it it's pretty cool to know the the individuals that that were coaching. I think it's good that we we sort of give them. I feel like they've had a voice in the process of of the policies we're trying to create or the cultures that that we're trying to create around you know that specific team. The the, the difficult one for me, and and we see this in a lot of our work, is that. This should be coming from the very top of organisations, though. This shouldn't be individual cult, uh, uh, coaches creating ten different cultures within one club, because that that in itself causes issues. You know, if one coach and, and I think that's where a more coordinated approach is needed, where a club do that, maybe get a, a feel for all its parents over different age groups or, or different categories, and then allow the coaches to work their individual magic on the field because we've all got different coaching styles and different techniques. But I think those underlying messages need to be consistent. I think then parents feel really reassured rather than you know the inconsistent messaging which, which causes a lot of angst and with the policy itself, I think a lot of coaches will be listening and say, yeah, this makes sense to me, we need to communicate more effectively, and we know that there are going to be problems with it. Are there off-the-shelf policies that people can grab and say, right, well, I'll take this, this, and this, and this? Because if you started with a blank sheet of paper, I think quite a few coaches would be saying, oh, I'm not quite sure where to start. So is there a, first of all, number one, is there an off-the-shelf solution? And number two, what would you suggest would be the first steps that you would take to put this policy together? Well, I think the the policy has to be um, short and sharp done. I think over the years, these codes of conduct and these things that, that parents sign and, and put away are often too lengthy. They're often um, very much spoken in, in coach talk as well. They can be too scientific when actually they should be really user-friendly, simple, clear to understand what you know what we're trying to achieve and and probably in an ideal world only only stretch to one side of a4 you know we've got we've got some examples from from different clubs and and some of the work that we've done in encouraging people um, to set these up and I think we've got to go away again it, it goes back to that 
that educating parents, doesn't it? A code of conduct is basically saying you're a naughty boy as soon as you arrive, isn't it? Please sign this to do it. And, I, and, I, and I'm just not sure of their effectiveness. And I think to give something that is, is more welcoming, more supportive, more encouraging, and then to run you know, your parents' meetings and actively involve them, which I know we're going to talk about in another podcast, I just think is a, is a better way to go. Now, what I'm very keen to know is how would you open up the communication conversation with the parents? Because you've talked to there about the parents maybe thinking that they could be regarded as the naughty boy or naughty girl in the situation. And of course, you want them to be very much part of, as you said very clearly at the start, the user experience. What sort of language is going to help coaches open up a good conversation and make it feel like it's far more comfortable rather than it's one person telling another person what to do yeah i think the activities that 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 we use in parents meetings need to to give them give them a voice you know we, we start our parents workshops for example with what do you want your child to get from this experience and it immediately gives them that opportunity to you know have an opinion have a voice straight away uh, likewise Richard Cheatham and I created some trivial pursuit cards um, which we gave out to parents and they answer the questions on the trivial pursuit cards that tell the coaches about their children so again they feel like that they've given some information about their child that is different from the sport you're coaching them so when you're walking off you can maybe ask how Liverpool did today if you know one of them supports that or what the other you know hobbies are and we also ask you know one of the one of the big things we do is we also ask parents what they find challenging and what they find great about positive about being a sports parent and all these things are doing are actually giving us sound bites of information that actually allow us to plan really effectively because we then oh they're finding that really difficult and it's one thing we've used with with lots of ngbs that that ability so well parents are finding that particularly challenging or they're in the top three answers and you know there's some quick fixes on some of them some of them there isn't some are, some have to go deeper now there is it would be lovely if every child would turn up with the nuclear family of uh, father and mother all supportive but that doesn't happen in in real life so again, that must be a challenge for coaches to be able to communicate with a variety of carers, and it might be that uh, they don't, the parents aren't involved at all. How would you support the coach in trying to find the right person to speak to, or communicating to maybe two parents uh, who may not want to agree with each other, let alone agree with you? Yeah, I think I think as as we do in you know in in public school environments, I think we've got to establish who the the primary carer is and and go through them whilst copying in other people on messages. You know, I think I think as many people as we can keep in the loop as possible, particularly as you say there, if we've got different dynamics or family mm -hmm. dynamics um, going on. One thing I've always said to coaches, and I, I think that we probably all subconsciously do that is I think if we feel that we haven't got parents carers that we're engaging with it should never have the negative impact on the child and I think most coaches would probably go above and beyond with that child I think my own experience at that stage is I'll probably just go and put my arm and make sure that they've, they've got that extra care and support I think I think being aware is the key one isn't it I think I think having that primary point of contact but then also being aware that there's other children that, that don't have the support that, that maybe others do.
And, and to be fair, lots of other parents are quite good at that as well, aren't they? They tend to incorporate those who, who maybe don't get as much support as they give their children. And that's one of the great things, of course, about sport is that it gives um, everybody there a different place to be able to express themselves and maybe find different friendship groups which they might not be able to find in a in a school environment and in a in an environment where there's less pressure on them to perform. Uh, so if we to wrap this up then, if you were to sort of pick out some key takeaways for a coach in terms of having effective effective communication policy, what would be those major takeaways? Yeah. I I think you need to have a plan, you know, the what, when and, and how you're going to do it and, and a really well thought out plan. So just going back to those three questions then. What, when and how okay. you are going to communicate. And I think that it's really important that what you communicate there is also valued by your organisation so that, that we have some organisational alignment there from the organisation through the coaches and through to the parents. I think we need to be hugely proactive in our communication. The moment that we know any changes in logistics, the moment that we can help sort any parents' diaries, because one of the big things that comes up in our work is that they find scheduling, the managing of siblings, the time, the cost element, uh, logistics, you know, people going off in different cars to different sports with different children. I think the moment we can let a parent know about changes of plans or anything extra that's going in the diary, you know it, it is absolutely vital and I, and I think we gain from that when we maybe have some more difficult conversations which I know we're going to come on to later that parents feel that we're on their side you, you know at that stage before the first thing that we deal with them is is a is a negative um, and I think you need to give them a voice I think I think we need to incorporate them into that communication policy and, and get a feel for your particular group because it, it it's different, you know, in different in different cultures, different sports, different environments. And and it, it was interesting this week and just going slightly off tangent on this, I know it's part of the wrap up, but you know, in, in westernized cultures we talk about a more an autonomous style of sports parenting, for example, it is probably a healthier one and one that, that may lead to greater results. And then somebody quite rightly pointed out to me in, in many non-Westernised countries, actually quite the opposite is is works for them, where something is more authoritative and and that's what we need to be. And, you know, I always thought, I thought about when I heard it and it, I just think it's a lovely story to sh share when I remember going on cricket tour to Sri Lanka and watching a group of 12, 10 year olds who all had a branch off the local tree with one coach in the middle with no ball and all they were doing were the movements of a backward defence and they did it for 40 minutes. And I stood there and I just I had a, a thought to myself, I thought, goodness me, we would never get away with that with running a session in our country like this. But the, all those children were engaged, they were all doing it, they all saw it as a way out. And it, it's just fascinating. So I would always check within context of your particular group, your particular sport and the age of the children. You know, it can fundamentally change from how we maybe communicate with eight, nine-year-olds, how we're maybe then communicating them at 15, 16. So for me, the most important things coming out of that is obviously you need to have some consistency, but don't expect a policy from another sport or another time in your life to be working for the parents in front of you. You've got to be able to be flexible with them. You've got to be communicating with them all the time. And... Again, this idea of a clear, consistent message 
which isn't going to confuse them, it's not going to speak down to them, it's not going to be too scientific, it's not going to feel like you're educating them, then every, everyone's going to be involved and the reason why you have a communication policy is so you can find out more about each other. Thanks uh, on, on that one, Gordon, and um, we'll move you on to the next topic. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.